Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Chronicles of Mister. I'm Mister Pierre, and I'm once again joined joined by Mister Jonah Craggett. And this episode, folks, is really going to be touching all four corners of the map. I'm really just happy to be able to chop it up with uh, uh, a dude who I think is just so amazing. And so wherever this conversation goes, it's going to go. And whatever you're able to glean from it, glean from it. But I know that this one is a selfish one because I'm just happy to see you, bro. <laughs> I'm happy to be seen. and It feels good to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we have these texts where we go back and forth about the stuff that is going on, whether it's you on the East Coast or me now on the West. And just education and life and whatnot as two educators and two black men who are doing what they're doing and knowing that, Hey, not everything is perfect, that things can be better, but it's really about how are we taking care of ourselves and how do we move forward? And so what is uh, going on with you, my friend? Oh my gosh. So much, all of the things. Um, so funny enough, I'm trying to, I, I'm in a place where I'm trying to uh, affirm myself and my right to rest, to slow down, right? To take the pace of my life in my own hands. And um, I, I, I'm doing that while also navigating the realities of Blackness, right? So not in the, the stereotypical sense, right? Because I do think that there are things that, you know, people will, will make us believe that are holding us back, but there are those things that, that are holding us back. So what I'm seeing now is uh, in my current role uh, in higher ed, so out of the classroom, but still working with students and very much being an educator still, um, there is this demand and, and really this reliance I see on black bodies, black and brown bodies to, to be, right? To produce, to, to, to do all this stuff. And I'm, I'm in a place in my life where I'm consciously making the decision, not just in my not in my personal life, but tangible steps like in my job and in my relationships um, to go at my own pace. Um, and I'm starting to see just how hard that is for black bodies, where there are some folks who do not understand uh, their relationship to, you know, to me, to you, to two black bodies without that labor. And with that labor, married to that labor is the exhaustion of that labor. Right. Um, I started a, a video, as I told you, I started a, a TikTok account where I just talk about different educational topics. And one of the things that um, I, it was a conversation I had with a fellow educator uh, at, at Highville. Um, and right. she's great. She's, she's woke and, you know, like, you know, all, all that. But we had this conversation. It was about the Dahmer series. Right. Um, about the depiction of. No, thanks. Five, yeah, OK. Um, but I was saying, she, you know, she was like, well, did you watch it? It's so good. It depicts the humanity of these people. And I said, well, I know that none of the families were consulted and one of the families just straight up spoke out condemning it. Right. And, you know, I tried to lead with empathy. Mm -hmm. These are things, you know, these are stories that they don't want told. And this person goes and is tired about the cinematography is beautiful. These stories are never told in, or in this way when they are told and that it F what the family says. Forget what the family says. This is, you know, a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. So I tried to first go into semantics, right? Like, hey, you notice it's Netflix and Ryan, uh, Ryan Murphy. They're white people who are benefiting from the death of BIPOC folks at the expense of BIPOC voices today. 
so we can't in one breath, you know, praise the way that these stories are depicting the sto- uh, these stories are depicting the lives of BIPOC folks while then ignoring the very alive BIPOC voices, right? But then it kind of just broke down to the to the root of it. And sometimes, you know, you can't be arguing with folks. You got to know what are you really trying to say, right? Especially when people are committed to misunderstanding you. They didn't care about the, the black exhaustion, the black labor. They didn't care about the black families. They wanted good art at the expense of another yeah. narrative of black trauma. And I said, well, what would you do if someone near and dear to you passed and big companies wanted to benefit off of this, regardless of how you felt? And she goes, well, I would do like Mamie Till did. I would want everyone to hear it. And that made me start to think about black people relationship to our stories and how white audiences mm. consume our trauma to feel right they had this whole mm. people I, I say this in the dei work that i do right some people do the work because they love the work because the work is lucrative because it's it's constantly going to be you know something they can get in because racism isn't going anywhere but other people, yeah. mostly black and brown people, do the work so we don't have to do the work. And that's the fundamental difference. So when I think about story, when I think about film and the way that black and brown stories and our histories are told, there is this marriage between our stories and trauma. And it's so hard to divorce that because white people, but not all, not all white people, but most people, but I'll say white people, use this as a way to feel to feel part of something bigger, to feel pathos, to feel, you know, uh, the shock of life, right? And no one ever looked at Mamie Till, who chose to have this open casket to show the world what lynching did to her son and thought, okay, but mama, like, you have that right to privacy. So I'm talking to this person about the Dahmer show saying, we can't forget this. These stories need to be told while... Why aren't these families right to say, I want my loved one's legacy to die with me? Why is this this, this, you know, this appropriation of the soul? Why is this this consume? It's, it's this, this cannibalism of black bodies, mm. right? This is overconsumption of us in pain and our, our labor, right? Our exhaustion at the forefront of our narratives. So I'm seeing that now where like I'm trying to divorce myself in my real life from that expectation of exhaustion because also some black people have internalized that exhaustion as strength and they don't want to let it go yeah. because it's like a uh, badge. Yeah. That badge of honor. Yeah. So that was a really long winded way of saying that's where I'm at. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it because it was something that we both, I recall like us teaching and having moments of like, our kids, our students, our kiddos just need to be kids. Mm-hmm. They, and at the end of the day of knowing like, look, you've worked. Let's go out to recess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had recess earlier and let's let's have another round of recess where you just get to be mm-hmm. kids. That you don't have to, it shouldn't be expected that you're like you're working literally 24-7. Like, it's, a, it's been a long day. Let's have recess and like allow them to be kids. And like that isn't some sort of it's not a reward. Like that should be the norm. Cause there are so many places where that is the norm yeah. of like, yeah, relax, take a breather. But you know what? <laughs> and no one is going to, no one's going to frown. You know what that. though? That's something though. Black and Brown kids aren't afforded because our students. So no. it's, it's, I know that there are forces who may have looked at us like agents 
who are doing a disservice because every moment mm -hmm. with our kids wasn't spent pruning them for the fight of yeah. being black in this country, of being brown in this country, yeah. um, especially for our boys, right? Well, not to say especially for our boys, our yeah. girls as well, right? So when we, you know, I think about, we have this, this tightrope balance of, we want to be professional. We want to teach our, our black and brown kiddos how to be professional, but we also want them to be human. But we have to balance those lessons of humanity so that they're not navigating the world ignorantly. But we also don't want to put that pressure of life on them, right? And it's, it's, it's so sad because it's funny. I was just in Target the other day and someone came up to me and was like, well, did you teach at Highville? Like from one of my first years before you got there, like just grown and i was like whoa wait a minute right and I'm, I'm so happy that i can see that these are these are kids who've grown into themselves in a way where they're just still here right that they're they're, they're, they're whole and if they're not whole that they, that they can look fondly on oh my gosh like there was somebody who saw me even for a moment because you know we can't control you know life and, and and what happens especially in you know these mean new haven streets uh but i know that there are kids who they'll go their whole life maybe, maybe we didn't teach teach you know the 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 lesson for the full you know 50 minutes 55 minutes right but they'll remember i had a mr pierre who he saw yeah. me and he let me be a kid that day. Or when I went home, I couldn't be a kid. Maybe I had to be a big brother. Maybe I had to, to be, you know, a, a second mother, right? Maybe I had to be an auntie, but I got to play, right? Um, I'm, I'm really big on like what liberation looks like for black bodies in the now, right? Um, where again, there are folks who, they think that Mamie Till approach is what they need to do. Um, and that's their business, right? I'm never going to take away someone's right to, to stand on that pedestal. But I'm seeing by and large, there's people now who want to divorce ourselves from being at the forefront of this kind of work so that we can just live, right? Um, when we think about, I, I won't even just say this, you know, the 50s and 60s. I really say, you know, the 80s and 90s, right? There was this kind of glorification of, you know, uh, black and brown bodies and voices being used for spectacle, right? Being used to represent this collective. And we're just now dealing with that exhaustion, you know? And it's yeah. funny, I, I, was, I was at the doctor the other day just for a routine checkup and the nurse, she said, where the mind tries to forget the body always keeps the score, right? Body keeps and the I, I had to sit and think, okay, what, what score is my body keeping that maybe I'm not acknowledging because I'm seeing I'm successful. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You know, I, I, that's all right. Right. What things in my life do I want to pursue? Do I want to go after that? I'm not able to because I'm I'm bound. I'm, you know, I'm constricted to to rules that maybe other people have set for me. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I really, really am in the camp of black and brown bodies just stopping. And I, I think of rest as reparations. The first reparation we get is the ability to rest, right? To not have to be on. Just chill. Just chill. Just chill. Yeah, just chill. And like, and, and for that, for that ability to chill truly is not like only your body is chilling, but like your mind is at ease as yeah, well too. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, that is something that I'm enjoying or looking to enjoy now more is like, when it when the weekend is present and I can sit down and like shut down all the tabs, can I truly just 
chill. I'm not, my mind isn't racing. My mind isn't worried. It's at yeah. rest, truly at rest. It's something I think that is, uh, is a, a blessing as well too. And in that, what you first mentioned about the self-care of like, am I taking care of my mentals? Am I taking care of my surroundings? Am I taking care of my body as well? So yeah, I feel you. I feel you. It's, it is a, a gift that not many have. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for, for what I, I like got, to yeah. ask myself, right? Like, what is the day demanding? And I might not always ask that when the day starts, but when the day gets, mm. it's rolling. And so in my current role, you know, I'm admin. And so I oversee, uh, the multicultural center at Southern. And sometimes, you know, like oh, we missed a call and we have a few emails or maybe we double booked or maybe people are coming in late. Right. And, you know, I'll look at my, my staff. Right. And they're like, the, the ship is sinking. And like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, nothing. I'm like, let's stop. Right. Like, let's, let's just stop. Right. Okay. What if this fall? Then it's going to fall. But I think we need to stop. And I ask them, what is the day demanding? Right. If the day is going by fast and no, everyone's missing things. The day's demanding us to go a little slow, right? And who, whoever, whoever else, you know, be damned. Then I think, okay, yeah, That's deep. maybe maybe things are yeah. you know, a little slow pacing. Okay, you know, we got to pick things. What is the day demanding? Because then I'm working against myself. Mm. I'm working against you know the flow. And maybe my body again, keeping that score, is telling me, hey, uh-uh, yeah. not today. Still got to deal with yesterday. Yeah. Right? And, and, and but, yeah. you know, it's funny too, I'm seeing in, in, in my role and, you know, as, a, as I'm, I'm moving up the ladder, these aren't things that are encouraged in, in real life, right? When we start doing the grown up things, mm-hmm. these aren't things that are encouraged. These are, this is, okay, that's great for a day or maybe for a training or maybe for a PD, right? But like, no, really, like we're, yeah. we're supposed to use ourselves. So like that, that's productivity, that's work, right? Making us into machines. It, it makes me think of a nope, right? So, you know, the, the yeah, the, the two characters, right? You have, you know, yeah. the son who he is not for the, the, the spectacle or for the show, right? He takes his time. He's more timid. Kiki Palmer's character, his sister, is she can get in front of a crowd. She can woo them, right? But I like that both of those yep. working in balance, right? Where sometimes you need to be able to come up and stand and talk to folk, right? Get up and look people in the eye, right? Give the pitch, right? And that came naturally to her, and that was her business. But then that smaller attention to detail, that idea of coming, coming into any space as yourself, Right. Which I think was one of the messages of that move. Right. Being able to come in as yourself. Right. To not be misinterpreted, even if in the case of the movie, an entire film crew thought that he was, you know, less than capable, thought that he was incompetent. Right. But standing in your truth. And it's funny. I used to be in the camp. I used to say, don't stand in your truth, stand in the truth. Right. Where the truth of who you are has to be the truth for everybody else, even if they're misunderstanding you. And his truth was that he wanted to take his time, right? That he wasn't about that. He, he, yeah. he didn't need to sell his soul, right? In a sense, for the, for the sake of being misunderstood by folks for opportunity, right? And, you know, that's, that's, that's how I want to be. <laughs> but that comes with consequence though, right, friend? That comes with consequence. And- Which was going to be like the comment that I made to you of like, because part of, referring to the movie is like, he then had to sell mm-hmm. some of the horses, like to keep the light on, mm-hmm. to keep the house, to keep the ranch. And he was doing certain things in order to buy the horses back. However, the consequence is like some of those horses that he sold 
He never got mm-hmm. it back. <laughs> I don't want to give too much if no one has seen it, but like some of them went away. Yeah. And so that's a consequence you got to deal with. Of like, look, if you're going to really be about this life, know that not everyone is going to be super happy and pleased mm-hmm. that you are, including might even yourself of like, hey, I did X. The consequence yeah. of X is Y. Like, and I got to deal. And with I love that. that thinking of slight spoilers, right? The idea of these horses are, you know, the bits of himself that he had to sell, right, for, you know, for the sake of his, you know, livelihood, for the sake of, you know, his dream. He had to steal one back. And sometimes, like, there has to be that reintroduction, right, that I'm going to deal with that consequence, right? I did something yesterday because I thought that was right. And when I realized it was for the sake of myself, it, it might, I might have to act, and I'm going to say out of character, I might have to change the way that I operate be go from timid to bold to reestablish that actually this is who I am. I've been finding myself on my mental health journey, reintroducing myself to people, right? And having to set those Hmm. boundaries and hi, this is who you thought I was and you've been acting accordingly. And I can't change how you act, but I can change your access to me. I can control that, right? I can't control how you you perceive me. I can control your access to me. And I've had to step in people, my own family, friends, partners, this is who I am. This is who I want to be, right? But it's accountability too, right? Where some people, you can't, you can't be a coward and fail to introduce yourself back, right? To tell the truth, right? You can't go, well, you should know, or I dropped hints. You're just going to have to, no, 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 right? That's not fair. You have to, this is what I've allowed to be done. And it never felt good. Or maybe I thought it felt good, right? You got to put yourself on the, on the chopping block. I used to be okay with that, how you spoke to me that way, how you loved me that way, yep. how we operated that way, but that's not mm-hmm. working for me now, right? But just yesterday, yeah. you were fine with it, and, and I was. Yesterday's price <laughs> is not today's price. Okay. Yesterday's Ooh. Wooly Pierre is not Dang. today's Wooly Pierre. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, And there is... Uh, a former guest who used to say, or she said, make the implicit explicit. Cause there are a lot of times like for ourselves, it's like, yo, this is how, or this is what I believe. And like, it's common knowledge to everyone. And when in fact it's not, and even what you were just saying of like who I was yesterday, how we behaved yesterday, how we operated yesterday, how we moved yesterday, doesn't necessarily mean it's to, it's going to be the same today. And if, and when it does change, like to be explicit, to say, Yo, Jonah, you know, yesterday when I said such and such and such, Mm -hmm. today, man, I'm really regretting that I said that, or I'm feeling differently based off of whatever. Can't give you all the details, but my guy, like, I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And if, and to make that explicit to the person so that then they, like you said, look, how you behave is going to be, that's your responsibility. However, I've got to let you know, this is how Mm -hmm. I'm moving. And, And if that's how I'm moving now and you choose not to move accordingly, then it's like, all right, bet. The access that you had yesterday, you'll no longer have it today nor tomorrow. If you continue to behave, yeah, as and you such. know, and I think it. Oh, I was gonna just gonna say how to relate that back to the classroom is just like there are plenty of times when you choose at the beginning of the year to do something, it goes, it goes, it goes. It seems like it's working, but then once it starts not to work anymore, not to be able to say to the students or your your colleagues like, yeah, I used to come in fifteen, thirty, twenty minutes whatever it is early and no longer deal with it (laughs) or kiddos. It used to be this way or, or I'm seeing like, this is what's the pattern of 
we used to like have to line up in a straight line, but you've shown me that you can walk from point A to point B and doesn't have to be in a straight line and not disrupt the rest of the classes. Bet, like as long as you get from A to B without disrupting mm-hmm. anyone else, it's cool. And you know what? That that ability to change rapidly and to adjust and to adapt, I, I see that there's there's so much there's so much pushback to be able to do that. Um, one in schools, period, right? Because there's also this idea that absolute consistency is what's best for kids when life is not absolutely consistent. The one life constant in life is that it is not consistent, right? And I think it's so much more important of a lesson to teach to kids that, okay, sometimes you you have to change out of necessity, out of comfort, right? But it's never too late to go, okay, this isn't working, let's do something different, right? That's even like with their friendships, right? Like. Okay, you know, little Billy yeah. was your best friend before, right? It's not feeling good. Sometimes you grow out, right? Yeah. Um, or I'll see students come in, even going like deeper into subjects, right? I'm not good at math. I'm not good at English. I'm not good at reading. And they go in and that idea of absolute consistency, they know every year, English isn't my subject. Math isn't my subject. History isn't my subject, whatever it is. And they enter into the classroom already with this understanding that this isn't where I'm going to succeed, right? That absolute consistency. So even on the positive side, right, to be able to change that mindset that you can go in every single year into the subject that's not your favorite, that's not your strongest, and go, I can change that this year, right? Yeah. That mindset of yet, Mm -hmm. yeah. I like to tell the kids, like, I get it. In the past, you've never had a Mr. Pierre. You just haven't. But now your life is about to change. I'm not saying that tomorrow or by the end of the year, you're going to become an Einstein. However, there are going to be moments of joy in this classroom that make you go like, oh, snap. It wasn't the subject matter. It just so happened to be the person who was at the front of the Mm -hmm. class or in the class directing things in such a way that, yeah, it didn't make it it, um, appealing to you. And to have a parent, which is what I had this year, like on day two, say like, Mr. Pierre, I don't know what you did on the first day of school. But my daughter came home like ecstatic about math and that hasn't happened over the last three years. And I'm just like, yeah, I know, I know. Your baby girl's gonna really blossom this year to be in a space where myself and the teacher assistant like see her, who ask her for like, hey, what are you into? So we can show you that the math that we're learning is applicable to you. That when teachers say like, oh, this is for real life. No, no, kiddo, you're living real life right now. Real life isn't later on. Real life is right now and what you're, (laughs) yeah. Your, your life right now is real. The things that you're going through are real. Your worries are real. When you tell a kindergartner, you know, their teddy bear that's lost its eye because it's a button, it's falling off, that it's not important, like, you're crushing that kill because that teddy bear to them is the world. Similar for our teenagers and our young adults, like, what they're and living you know is what? real. Yeah. <laughs> COVID you know didn't care. Is, though, too? It yeah. would be absolute madness if we applied that same logic that we put on these kids in school to the adults, right? Like, real life, you can't, like, you know, oh, in real life, you can't always get what you want. Well, at work, you know, communication and open communication, that's a thing, right? Like, oh, we teach, I, in my adult life, I don't walk in a straight line, <laughs> you know, in my, okay? Like in, in my adult life, I don't walk from place to place in utter silence unless I'm by myself, right? Yeah, so what, yeah. are, what are we teaching then <laughs> if we are, one, we're teaching our kids to code switch, right? And to be obedient. And we're not even going to talk about mm-hmm. the school to prison pipeline, right? Yeah. And, and the ways that certain behaviors reinforce it. 
<laughs> we can talk about it because that, that, that's what I'm looking to bust up. Like all these things that before when you weren't, at least when I wasn't aware of them, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're right. That is what we're prepping them for. Walk in a straight line, walk in silence, don't ask questions, be compliant right? as opposed to don't ask questions. The quote unquote adult or the person in charge told you to do X and you just do it without question. So, yeah, all that. Mm-mm, not about. Yeah. And even like the code switching. When I was the beginning of my academic career, it's like I understand why you're doing it. Even myself with code switching. Now it's being like, why am I doing that for the comfortability of? But who? you know what, Mister Pierre? Like, if I'm if I'm at a if I'm if I'm in a space where I can't be a, authentically me, then I gotta Mr. dip Pierre, out of that space. The fact too is, I think that so when I watched you come into Highville as a space. Not even, not even when you were teaching, when you were just shadowing and, and coming in. What I watched you do is you liberated the kids to see existing in that space as something different than what they understood existing in that space to be. When you came in with your camera and just, yeah. can I take your picture, right? And, and, and just bringing joy at the forefront, right? And this is even before you started teaching. And I remember when we isolated our, our, yeah. our grades. I remember there was a day you were shadowing, and I wore this pink and gray poncho, right? And this big flowy poncho. Yeah. And our kids, they, you know, they was going, you know, coming in and oh, Mr. C, what's that? But I remember where I was like, I want them to be able to see someone who is grown up wearing something that they are taught that is ridiculous, right? That at Highville, the grownups mm-hmm. don't dress like that. The grownups are authoritarian, right? What does it look like? And I remember there was my first mm-hmm. year under, this was a different principal who I'm glad he's not there anymore. He, it was field day. And I just remember I came in mm-hmm. and I had my shorts, my sneaks. I had, you know, like sporty stuff, like ready to go. And I remember he was, uh, I, I heard that he had said to another uh, educator, why is Mr. C dressed like that? Like, well, he's just like one of the kids. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm ready for some tug of war. Like, let's go. Right. So, you know, I think it's it's important (laughs) that like black, I look at black liberation for young black minds and bodies is breaking, breaking this image of what a black grown up has to be that a cool Mr. Pierre coming in and, taking pictures and oh mr pierre you corny right and playing games with them and not being ashamed of that right yeah. joking with them taking jokes from them right without harm right yeah. Showing that, oh wait i can joke with mr pierre yeah. in a respectful way right i can joke with mr pierre yep. without you know being seen as a villain without being seen as a criminal because i can't yeah. do that with my other teachers someone who understands that i can be playful and still get my work done. And understand the mm-hmm. importance of play. To know that it's in those moments of play that, like that bond of like, oh, okay, this is this is that that verbal dance. This is how we get to know each other. This mm-hmm. is how I'm going to roast you a little bit. But I'm I'm willing and able to then also take it, and and how to dole it out. And if I do cross that line, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, here's the boundary. Now that I know what the boundary is, let me stay on this side so that I know. Kiddos, they want that boundary, but. When it, it's always shifting or it's like, oh, you can't do that because of, why not? Because if if it's five o'clock and we're on the corner and I'm walking to the corner store mm-hmm. with you, I'd be doing that. <laughs> so why is it all of a sudden different here? Like knowing and being able to um, 
articulate that and say that in such a way that the kids get it. It's right. Like, and you don't always have yeah. to do that with oh, the hard hammer of I, discipline, right? Like, why don't we give them the no, grace to learn, no. right? They're still learning boundaries, yeah. right? They're still learning. Oh, yep. wait, that might not be. They might look back at every instance later on before they say something that might be a little too hurtful, a little too sharp and go, oh, wait, I remember that time with Mr. C, with Mr. Pierre. Okay, let me not. Right. But also knowing that they can make those mistakes and grow because that's learning, too. Um, and the funny thing is, with my kids, I always made them acknowledge when they're feeling hurt. Right. When that that need that 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 pressure to put mm. on bravado would come up. Right. So I remember like we do reading circle and I told the kids we were going to read out loud. Right. We got in the circle and I said that you can read, you know. One, between one and three sentences, everybody was going to read, right? And after, you know, we got over the initial shock, oh, I'm not reading out loud, I'm not doing that, right? We started getting the sense that we're taking our time, we go in the circle. Some people would read, you know, one or two. We started, you know, adjusting to where maybe one student read three or four. So the next person who didn't want to read a bunch, they just read one, get away with that, right? And when everyone got comfortable, that's when we started incorporating, okay, then you can pass. Because if I know that, you know, there's one student who maybe they, they're always reading and they have having a day, right? So that adjusting. But I remember we had two students and they were friends where they're both really tough, right? Both really, you know, they, they would make jokes to hide the fact that they were uncomfortable with reading. And I remember this is when they got real comfortable reading out loud. And one student yep. had just, yep. she'd gotten a word wrong or a few words wrong. Her turn goes, the friend next to her starts reading and the next friend next to her reads really, really slowly, right? But that's okay. And I just remember the, the friend who made a few mistakes pointed out, oh my gosh, like, so immediately we got to stop like, no, we don't rush. Right. Well, you know that that's a rule friend who's getting rushed now is like, at least I'm not messing up all these. Words. So now, you know, that hurt, hurting people, hurt people. She spewed that at the friend. Right. And in front of the class, yeah. right in the middle, of, you know, we're not going to wait until, you know, so the feeling to sit right there in the class, stop the reading circle, address the harm. I was like, that wasn't kind. Right. Oh, but I don't care. That wasn't kind. So I had them say, look at each other, right? And the class gets yeah. quiet. At this point, they're real respectful. And looking, I said, look at your friend. I said, I think what you said hurt her feelings. Oh, that didn't hurt my feelings. That's, didn't it? Yeah, it hurt my feelings. You would have thought that she pulled the, the uh, wool right over her head because from her head. Because she didn't, she didn't recognize that her comment, the first friend's comment, that that hurt her friend. And just addressing that and kind of reminding yeah. our kiddos that, oh, wait, yeah, we're people, right? And that we might say things and that hurts someone's yeah. feelings. So then, you know, then, okay, that didn't feel good when she said that to you, right? That hurt. Let's, we don't want to, we don't want to make each other feel like that. We don't have to do that. And it didn't feel like a sixth grade class. It felt like a kindergarten class, right? But sometimes we need that, right? Because we show up, I, I like yeah. to that we show up to any place as some version of ourselves, Right. There's sometimes I go to work. Yeah. yeah. You've spoken about work. that. Maybe, maybe I'm yeah. like 16. You say something that makes me feel like my 16 year old self. Right. All the fears and powerlessness that came with it. Right. And our kids, they might come into our class sometimes and they're not sixth grade, seventh grade, whatever grade. Except they are that, that child, that child that, that might need a little reminding, that might need a hug. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Pause for a second because that. Yeah, we we all have that that other version of ourselves that we 
mm-hmm. that was unhealed. That still has a, a thing there that is, yeah, take me back to my 20 year old mm-hmm. self, my 16 year old self, my 10 year old self, even the 30 year old self is like, and it could be a yeah. word that brings yeah. you back there. It Ooh. could be a look, right? Yeah. It, it could be a reaction. It could be a mm-hmm. lack of reaction that makes us feel, yeah. that makes us feel like that, that childhood self, that younger self, right? Shoot. It might be just how we felt yesterday, yeah. right? Recognize that we're not as over yep. something as we thought, that we're not as not as on it as we, we might have once thought. But I, what I think is really, really cool, though, is that we have tools or language, you know, now for how to nurture that childhood self. Right. Like there's sometimes where like if I feel like mm. really, really small, I'm like, yo, OK, like I, I love the quote, be the be the adult you needed when you were younger. Right. Like sometimes you got to talk yourself off that ledge with the language you would use to that younger self. Right. That, oh, you're safe. My, uh, uh, I'm going to cut on the light because the sun is setting Uh, (laughs) and I'm slowly disappearing. I'm back. But, um, my, my friend was having an interview and, uh, she was going to tell her employer that she was leaving and she started hyperventilating. She's like, huh. And I just said, you're safe. And she's like, thank you for that. Right. Cause that childhood self that was not safe when I got to leave. I got, I got to get, she needed that. She needed that reminder in a whole new space and a whole new time, a whole new, she needed the reminder that she was safe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and and you mentioned it earlier about hurt people, Mm -hmm. hurting people. And that it's the reason why folks are doing the things that we don't know what the trigger was, the trigger is, or was like you mentioned, it could have been a look, could have been the tone, could have been a myriad of other things that causes that person to react the way that they, they did or do. And even like what you're just saying about your roommate and friend of, her just thinking about having to tell an authority figure, like I've got to leave is bringing this feeling back and being able to have a person who's aware of that to then just use the words of you are safe. And that's enough for the person to, mm-hmm. okay. Recenter themselves and be able to proceed from there. Yeah. And that's what our kiddos need. No, no matter how old they are from kindergarten to yeah. Being at a university or college of like, no, no kiddo, like you're okay. You're safe what's about to happen or what will happen. We don't know. But however, in this moment, this space where we're at. And we have to ask ourselves, like, what do we need? Like, so one affirmation might be like, you're safe. So I like to go to the hood one. Like who going to check me, boo. Right. Like (laughs) who going to check me. Right. Who going to whoop me? Cause you know, if what you need is confidence, right. If what you need is security, right. That affirmation is going to look different. There's not a one size fits all. Um, and you know, I, so I I think about in, in my journey, everything that I've gotten, that's good in air quotes, that's good has been something that I didn't realize until now I've had anxiety about 
that there was pressure to not mess it up, right? Mm. That as someone who is bored, uh, who's poor, born to an addict, born an addict, right? As someone who has been in foster care, as someone who has experienced violence and assault, right? That finishing high school was a big achievement for a lot of people in my class, right? Like there's a lot of people who knew that there was not, there wasn't something like that coming after, right? When my school, J. Charles High School, which was focused on selecting a few students who they think may have had promise and then sending them to college, not preparing us for college, but getting us in and then wiping the hands off. Right. I had this anxiety for years, a knowing anxiety that this is an opportunity that came because people made that happen. Don't F it up. Right. Don't mess it up. Right. You, you cannot you cannot return right, right. to New Haven empty-handed, right? Then, you know, leaving high uh, leaving college, getting a job, a good job, quote unquote. For me, that was in teaching, right? Don't mess it up, right? As toxic as the environment may be, as underpaid as it may be, this is a good job. Don't mess it up, yeah. right? So all of that again, the body keeps the score, right? In my mind, mm-hmm. I'm telling myself without words that everything that I got was not an achievement of my own skill, right? That wasn't something that I did, but something that fell on me. And then as a black guy too, right? Where I'm, I'm the only black person in this space is, right? I was the, one of the only, you know, black kids in my almost all black high school that got into college. I was one of the only black kids at my college because I went to PWI. And then you and I, two of the only black male teachers, right? So all this time, I'm without words telling my spirit man that this isn't your skill. This is the hard work of the community. To an extent it was, right? But that just had little to do with me or less to do with me and my skill. And I couldn't walk into a room then with the confidence that, Jonah, you can go anywhere and be of use and and be valued, right? That it was a fluke. So me leaving different spaces right i've had to reconcile with all of all that baggage of all of that those messages that i was telling myself about myself right while being successful while having a good job right so Mm. just for some some context in the current i'm planning a move a big move that we'll talk about (laughs) off camera and when i'm on the next show it's gonna be it's yeah. gonna, it, I'll, I'll, I'll be more specific, but as I'm planning this, it'll be what it'll, it'll be, be. What it'll okay? be. Yeah. Sera, um, but one of the conversations that I've had with like family members and even certain friends was like, well, why? Like, well, you're really, you're really gonna, gonna do this. You're really like, wait, 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 count what the, what you have, right? Right. This idea of stay planted where you are because the risk of losing even, even, even if it's not too, too hot, the risk of losing this is scarier than the chance of getting something better. Part of what led me to, to Highville was being at a place, um, f- enjoying that space, and then having to leave that space because particularly my wife was like, you are not the same. Yeah, like that was great to have you back, bro. That was the the situation for me before coming to Ivy Love, being out of space where it made me question, like, am I a good teacher? <laughs> do I know how to do this thing? And if I leave here, 
because it was somewhere that I had been for several years and was comfortable and the folks who had also been there for several years knew me like to go somewhere new and have to rebuild or, or restart was intimidating a bit scary. But thankfully I had a, a wife who was just like, no, you got to leave because you are not the same. And the toxicity was building up that it was spilling mm-hmm. coming home and where I was just not the same husband, man, friend that she knew. And she was like, nah, let me meet her. Let me talk to her. And in that moment, I was just like, nah, <laughs> I, I need to go to, to Highville and to, to link up with you was exactly what I needed, exactly what my soul needed and to be able to be there and meet other individuals who love the craft of teaching. It was, it was everything. It was everything. It, it, it replenished me in a way that I'm forever grateful. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Sila sit on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think that something to acknowledge too, especially as black professionals, right, are the the cultural customs that have have protected us for so long. Maybe you know, also going back to the idea of how we adjust and kind of being giving us a permission to to change the norm, right? There's certain things that have been used to protect us for a long time, right? Like you don't you don't go too crazy. Find a place that that's yours. Stay planted. Stay there. Don't mess it up, right? And I think that also comes from, you know, this this idea that we don't have access to the whole world, right? That we don't have yeah. access to, or we don't, we've never had permission to just up and change our mind, right? When you think about too history that tells you this is where you've had to be, you're displaced and misplaced from from a, your family unit. You're told what your new name is, what your new role is, right? Yeah. That we've adopted these customs of survival, right? Where don't make yourself seem too big, don't be too uppity, and if you're gonna dream, right? Yeah. You know, you do it in a way that you either got to shuck and jive to do it or acknowledging the fact that it's not going to end well. And what I will say is there's, <clears throat> you know, by and large, I think we, we've done really well with always having a community to come back to, right? I think about in uh, Their Eyes Are Watching God, Janie coming home in the overalls, hair down after tea cake is dead, right? All the eyes of the community are on her and everybody wants, to, wants the story, but she had a community to come back to, right? And one <clears throat> of the things that, I've been saying um, to folk who ask, well, Jonah, what if this doesn't work out? Um, I, I say, because my mom is uh, moving back to Roanoke, Virginia. Um, she's going back home, which I'm very happy about because that, that's the place that liberates her to joy. And I say, you know, if it doesn't work out, yes. I can always come home, right? Giving myself that, mm. that permission to, if it don't work out, I can always come home, right? I have that choice. Yeah. Um, I think of black liberation being giving ourselves options, right? Giving ourselves that option. I love it. I love it. Yeah. There's, um, are you, have you ever seen In the Heights? I have uh, not was, seen In the Heights. Uh, I believe it's a play. It's a play well, and it was just well, made into a the, movie. The state, yeah, the play, the play, not the, the I've no, seen I both, but seen I'm thinking of the play where like throughout the whole thing, he's thinking of these different ways of wanting to go wanting to leave this place where he grew up in. And then finally, like in the end, realizing like he's home, that's where he, he wants to be. That's where he, he feels he needs to be. But to have that option to know, like I could leave, 
but I can always come back. Mm-hmm. I can go elsewhere. I can spread my wings and fly, but this is where I'm from. And like, it's, it's okay to come back home. Yeah. Everything you're saying of, I, I, I'm feeling it. And I'm, I'm processing even myself now too, knowing that the decision to leave Highville as well was one where I was just like, this is a great spot. I love the people that I'm working with. However, I don't think we're seeing eye to eye on certain things and that's okay to be able to leave in such a way that it's not like, um, on bad terms or anything, but to say like, Mm -hmm. thank you very much. I'm going to exit stage left. And for the person likewise to be like, likewise, thank you very much. You're, you're, you are free to go wherever you wish to go and there are no ill feelings. And Mm -hmm. if you should ever choose or decide to come back, you can come back and being appreciative of that. Is um is great, and I think that's something that we too. I keep coming back to the kiddos because as the educators, like you are free to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. However, not however, when those mistakes are made, if you feel like it's too much, come back. Yeah, come back. So, so that's dope. It's real dope. <laughs> how are you? How are you taking care, um, specifically of yourself? Taking care of yourself in, in preparation of knowing, like, hey, this big change is coming. How am I getting myself ready <laughs> for this change so that once the change happens, like the butterfly has got somewhere to, to fly to, or it's, or it's the caterpillar, I guess, is preparing the cocoon so that when they get, make this metamorphosis, when they come out of it, they're going to be better on the I've other side. I've been giving side. myself permission to panic. I've been giving myself permission to panic. Um, to to scream out to ah! <laughs> I had to I had to go through a mourning process. It happened. It was probably about like thirty minutes long. I'll say, and I gave myself that time. And um, maybe I went back to the grave a few other times. But like I was like I need to because I was going through all of a bunch of hoops, a bunch of a bunch of things to um, to start the transition so that I was secure financially. Right, so. Paperwork, um, you know, like, um, or I, I, I can share this and it might be, I think it'd be too, I don't think anybody's going to hear it and, and, and ruin my career, but um, I'm going on medical leave, right? And I said, I have that option. So I was going through all this paperwork to get that done as I make some transitions, right? And part of the, the reason for this was so that I had the space and the time and the peace to be able to focus on what's important to me, right? Um, the thing that makes my soul roar. And I remember when I finally got approved and I'm like, yes, it's sinking on me where I'm like, wait, 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 no, 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 okay, wait. Okay, now I, I, it's here, this is real. I got what I wanted. Part of me didn't think I'd get this far. There's a small part of me that hoped that I didn't because it's what's familiar to me is the, you know, yeah. the, 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 the fast paced environment where I can't really think about myself. And maybe that's more, maybe that's more enticing than actually having the freedom to live. Right. Yeah. And I had to be like, wait a second, like, okay, this is real. Like, this is legit because now that means if that happened, then all the stuff that comes after, right. That, in the words of Seely, it's time to leave here and enter creation. Wait, now I don't have any excuse, right? 
I, I can't I can't hide yeah. anymore. I can't go, oh, gosh, I wanted to do the thing that was so important to me, but I couldn't because this was in the way. I had to do this. I had to work. I had to do uh-uh. Yeah. Right? I didn't have the time. I didn't. Oh, so I had to, to reconcile and grieve and go back to that grieving space and hold that, that okay, Jonah, here lies the, 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 the body of your excuses. Right? Here, here, here lies that fear that, okay, you 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 done told people now that you, what your next steps are and you can't go back now because you know you you got to do this right um you 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 can't be embarrassed right oh gosh now now you have to reconcile that your life is in your hands now you you have to deal with that right your whole self and so what I've been taking care of myself by like letting giving myself permission to be in this space not trying to distract and hide it, right? Uh, and also let myself enjoy it. Let myself enjoy it. And, and how do I enjoy that? Maybe that's doing nothing. Maybe that's not, ooh, let's go. It's just doing nothing. So? Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with nothing. Ain't nothing wrong with nothing. <laughs> I love a little nothing. <laughs> I love a little nothing. That's what's up. That's what's up. What about you? I I am right now. I think it, it is the enjoying the nothing to be able to not have anything planned to really just like my wife and I were we were just talking even for today, um, knowing that time is gonna fall back. And she's like, "What do you want to do?" I was like, "Babe, I'm gonna go to bed <laughs> early. <laughs> I'm gonna go to bed early. Make sure that I have this extra hour and then some." So Sunday morning when we wake up before we go to service, like I want to be rested. Mm. I want to, I want a full solid eight plus hours of just sleep of doing nothing. So that that's what I'm doing right now is making sure that I'm getting those eight hours that they're truly eight full restful rested hours so that on the other side, I'm good to go. Yeah. That's mm. me right now. Yeah. And I enjoy a good okay. movie. I enjoy, good, <laughs> enjoy a good movie. Forever? I enjoy a good movie. Look, I I have been ready since the the trailer dropped and doing my best to stay away from these interwebs so that no I'm not going to get spoiled too much. But it's um, a three yeah, hour I, movie, so. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for it. <laughs> Look, if I if my younger self could sit through Titanic, I can sit through three hours <laughs> of Wakanda Forever. <laughs> yeah, man. But once that once that comes out, we'll we'll definitely have to have an episode of just breaking yeah. that down. So, um, yeah, at the end of the month and when we get that uh, Thanksgiving break, I'll be sure to please get you do, up. Please do. I'm so yeah. honored to be on Chronicles of Mister to be to be considered, uh, right? To be man. seen. In, in all honesty, you were you were that guy. Like, to come to Highville, to have those conversations with you, to have that cohort of kids that we taught, that really, I think, was the the genesis of it even though I wasn't fully aware of it in the moment. Um, yeah, us just chopping it up about, oh, what are we going to do with this? How is this working in your class versus my class? Um, what do we envision? And then even at the end of that year of knowing that things were going to change, um, it was also just one of like, I'm grateful that in the moment I recognized that this was different. And even if I didn't fully recognize like the the specialness of it, the full grandeur of it. 
I had enough sense to like know that this mm. was different and that the the length, the breadth, the depth and the width of it all, even though I didn't measure it all in the moment, I knew like, yo, I really appreciate working with this, with this, with this brother. This is, this is dope. This is dope. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm always grateful and, and appreciative of when we are able to talk about anything, whether it be a book, whether it be a movie, whether it be whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I am, I don't know what's coming, but I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm waiting with a smile <laughs> so that whatever, what happens, happens to be like, you know, that's dope. I like what Jonah's doing. Yeah. I appreciate that. Give me permission yeah. to go. This, this, this was awesome. awesome. Hey, go, 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 <laughs> go. And then whatever you, you, uh, you discover, you find my brother. No. Yeah. Yeah. So that we can tell others. To go tell as well. about and I think that that's, yeah. And I think that just the act of going mm. will then let others give others permission. Like, Oh, mm. it's okay to go. That it's not the end of the world that all those fears that we will create in our minds, as well as fears that are real to be able to see that we're not ignoring the, or not dismissing the existence of these fears, but what did a person say? Something about fear and danger down. that fear is not real and danger. Fear is what we make up in our minds. Whereas danger is like the actual thing in front of us. So if I see a rabid, vicious dog, I'm in danger. However, if that dog is behind a fence that I can see the fence is locked, I may be afraid, but that fear is something mm. I'm creating in myself. And so fear in of itself isn't the thing that should stop you. If it's danger, yeah, assess the danger, proceed accordingly. But if it's simply fear, kick the fear in its teeth and, and see, keep on okay, I had to write that down. You, you, do you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll say. I'll send you a copy of the of the episode, and Please. we'll get all the the quotes. There's a, a, I, I know, I know the was just about done. I want to uh, I want to reference uh, it's a book. The people could fly. It's a book of old uh, Negro folk tales, and the uh, okay. the name comes from the folk tale of uh, the story of flying slaves who would fly away from the plantation, which was, you know, mm -hmm. a parallel to, you know, the Underground Railroad even. But the way that folks learned to fly was that there was one one slave from enslaved person from Africa who knew the magic words. And when he told someone else they can fly and they told someone else mm -hmm. this idea of having permission to go so someone else can go, right? That makes me think of, yeah. you know, that idea of it takes one person, right? One Harriet, right? To to give you permission to go. And once you, it's one thing to be told, but it's another thing to see it, right? And that's what's going to give the other people the strength. Yeah. Um, and Mr. P, I think you've done that. I think that you have shown our, our kiddos, you know, as the people could fly. What, what does it look like? They don't have <laughs> only one option because they saw... Mr. Pierre, yep. and that's so amazing. Well, it, it is per like what you spoke about before of like whatever imaginary thing that we may dream up, as good as that dream may be, the person who's actually doing, and even if they fall on their face and don't do it beautifully, the act of doing is a hundred times better than the mere mm -hmm. thought. So in I would say to that, like, whatever I did, I, I definitely saw others doing, 
which then gave me permission to remix it and do it my own way. And, and then in meeting folks like you, that affirmation of like, oh yeah, I'm not the only one who's doing this thing. There are others who are doing as well. It's, it looks a little different, but it's always nice that, um, if I'm a guitar player to meet up with a drummer who can then meet us, lead us to a, a person who has an amazing voice and next thing you know, we got our band going. And so, mm. yeah, to, to, to anyone who's listening, this is your permission. This is your, you are your shout out permission to, to go, go do it, go, do it. <laughs> go, 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 go. So this has been an episode of the Chronicles of Mr. One that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I know I'll be having future ones with, the one and only Mr. Jonah Craggett. Thank you, sir, for uh, chopping it up Thank uh, you for this, having this me. afternoon. Appreciate you. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Today, when who's listening, I think the message for today is go do it. Go do it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out.